0: Welcome to episode number 32, where today we are reading chapter 19. Chapter 19 is called the Greek Islands, and this was by far my most enjoyable part of my Europe trip. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Crashing In Potential podcast where I give you the latest tips and tricks to help you stay on top of your mental game. My name is Scott B. Harris, and I'm the author of the book, Crashing in Potential, Living with My Injured Brain. It's a memoir that was written and published after a dirt bike accident that nearly took my life. In Season 2 of this podcast, I will be reading Part 2 of my book. Part 2 outlines how I chose to overcome the adversity that i face. faced. Strap yourself in because the show is about to start. Hi everyone, I hope you're all keeping very well and feeling as good as I am. Hope your week has been wonderful, wherever in the world that you are finding yourself. I mean, it's hard—it's hard to imagine anyone in the world uh, really uh, enjoying themselves, I guess, due to due to COVID putting a skid mark on our lives. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I also get though that if you're healthy, you've got a lot to be grateful for. Because there have literally been millions of deaths from COVID. Like millions, a couple of million anyway. And if you're, uh, if you're here in Australia, you're one of the luckiest people on earth. Just keep that in mind next time that you are down in the dumps. And now that we're on the, uh, on the topic of gratitude, uh, if you went to the fridge this morning and got yourself some, some nice breakfast because you had a good night's sleep in a comfy bed, um, you're, you're, you're also very lucky because there are quite a number of people in this world that don't have that luxury. And if your bed wasn't so comfy, just keep in mind that you had a roof over your head, so that's another reason to be grateful. Another reason that you might want to be grateful is that you've got the ability to listen to this podcast, and not that this podcast is, is the best podcast that has ever existed, far, far, far from it, but you've got the ability to listen to this podcast, so you probably have a computer, you probably have a smartphone, you probably have all of the technology in order to listen to it, so really... Is life that bad? Yeah, life could be a lot worse. Yeah, you've probably heard it all before, but it's also a good thing to hear from time to time. Sometimes people talk about about uh, being grateful and, and, and gratitude. Sometimes when we're when we're absolutely down in the dumps and it's really really hard to see past ourselves, sometimes all we need to do is just step aside and stop getting caught up in our own problems and our own lives and it's hard to see that there is anything uh, in the world to be grateful but grateful for but trust me trust me there is and if you look for it you will find it now i say all this because you know it. i've been there before and i kind of know uh, a little bit about what i'm talking about Okay, so this week we are exploring my time in the Greek Islands. Well, I would guess the, the the start of my exploration there anyway. This was the most fun that I had throughout my travels all around, all around Europe. Um, and that was for a number of reasons. One being that it was simply paradise. Now, I'm not sure if this comes out uh, when when I'm reading, if it'll come out when I'm reading. But keep in mind, just yeah, just keep in mind that this was the case. Uh, the second thing was that because of the people that I met throughout my time in Greece was just amazing. And at the very end of this chapter you will meet someone that means a lot to me. And at the end of the book uh, I will then tell you the whole story about what's going on in my life and maybe theirs. I don't know. We'll see. Okay, before I start, I just want to show my gratitude for you taking the time out of your day to listen to what I have to say. You see, time is the most precious resource that we can never get back. So I really appreciate you spending most valuable asset listening to me, listening to the things that I have to say and also responding to the things that I have to say. Really, really uh, is a very humbling feeling knowing that your thoughts and your, your memories and the words that you speak are impacting other people's lives. So, from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much to everyone that is listening and responding to this podcast. Let's get into it. We are up to chapter number 19, and this chapter is called The Greek Islands. And the quote that goes with this chapter is To travel is to take a journey into yourself. By Danny Kay. After the previous night's debacle, I woke up feeling energized and ready to go onto my next checkpoint. I finally met up with Kelly and her sister, Mary, downtown. I can't explain the feeling I had of seeing friendly faces. I wasn't on my own having to be 100% mindful of what I was doing 110% of the time, which at this point was a relief. They drove me to their home in a little town called Eracleo, about 20 minutes out of the city. Downtown Athens was a tourist hotspot, but head north to Eracleo and you're out in the burbs, the playground of the locals. When we arrived, the smell of, home, of a home-cooked meal wafted out of the window. I had to take a moment to come back down to earth. Kelly's apartment was across the hall from her brother's, which was on the ground floor of their parents' house. I quickly realized that Greece was a very family-oriented place. It was such a brilliant thing to witness, and it made me think of my tribe back home. Over the next couple of days, Kelly helped me. Kelly helped me plan my trek to the island of Eos, my next checkpoint. I was still new to this whole book it myself thing, so it was great to have Kelly there to help me. Just going to quickly go out of the book here and say a couple of things. Uh, the first thing was when I arrived in uh, at, in Heraklera, When I arrived at their house, their mum had put um, had had made us all lunch, and this was the first time uh, that I had ever experienced, um, I guess, family life in another culture. And we got to sit down. We were sitting down around the table. And eating the Greek, uh, the Greek meal that their mum had put on for me. And it was just, it was such a, it was, it was a moment in my travels that I'll, that I'll, that I'll never forget because it really made me feel like I was really traveling around the world and going off the beaten track, which was kind of what I really wanted to get out of, out of my travels. And the second thing that I want to mention is that Athens itself—I didn't find Athens a very, very nice, uh, very nice place at all. But when you head out of the out of the city into the into the suburbs, it was a really, really nice and friendly place. And I really ended up loving Athens just because of where I was staying and meeting all of her family and all her cousins and 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 everything. It was just it felt really, really good. So that was my first experience of of Greece. Another thing I just want to quickly mention is that when I went traveling, uh, went traveling to Greece, I'd, I kind of just imagined that I would go on go an island hop, which is what I ended up doing. But I didn't realise that there was uh, there had to actually be quite a bit of planning towards this. You see, I think the. My view of the Greek islands were just, they were the Greek islands. That was just where you go. But I didn't know before I left that there's actually 6,000 different islands in Greece. And about 200 of them are habitable. So I really kind of had to know where I was going to go. If I if I didn't want to waste the whole time that I was there. So having Callie there to tell me what islands were good to go to was just, it made things so much easier. So much easier. And it really made my trip there so much more enjoyable. Okay, back to the book. On the morning of my departure, I knew I had to catch the train and then a ferry. It should have been okay, shouldn't it? Well, no. Being in my new comfort zone, I didn't stress too much about the time... It would take me to get to the dock and board the ferry. Bad move. The train was delayed and when I arrived at the dock I only had about seven minutes before the ferry was on its way. Off the train, down the stairs and I legged it as fast as my little disabled body could go. I asked for directions on the run. By this stage my stress levels were getting maxed out and if it wasn't my if it wasn't my brain that was going to explode, it was my heart that was about to get attacked. I finally made it to the dock and asked a group of young Australians in between a quick, the quick asthmatic breaths I was squeezing out of my lungs if they knew where the ferry to EOS was. Yeah, that's it leaving. There. What? I still had a couple of minutes to spare. That couldn't be the one. Are you looking for the 9.30am ferry to EOS? The only one for the day, one of them asked, followed up with, Yeah, we were meant to be on that boat too, but it left early. The four girls in the group were all upset because they had also missed the only ferry for the day. One girl was crying and the rest were comforting her. This situation called for a tour guide and I stood up to take on the role. As soon as I did, my head became so clear and all my my dysfunctional issues disappeared. I said we needed to be calm and would sort it out. These words were like a soothing bedtime Sudoku for the girls and all their worries took a hike in the same direction as mine. Their mate, Nick, the only guy in the group, and I went over to the ticket booth where the lady informed us that we could catch another ferry, but it left from Rafina Port on the eastern side of the country. Would have to go back to Athens and catch a bus from there. Just going out of the book quickly. Uh, so it was. I, it wasn't the uh, ticket booth that we went to. We went across. Oh, we went to the ticket booth, and there was no good communication lines there. So we went across the road to. Uh, I think it was like a travel agency that uh, that that sold tickets to the ferries, and they were the ones that uh, that sold us the tickets. ...to the ferry, but they told us that the ferry went from the other side of the country... ...and we had to make our own way there. So that was uh, the next part of this little adventure we went on. Okay, back to the book. Back we went to round out the troops and head over to the train station that I had just come from. For the whole time, I was in the lead, being careful to do everything right. I pretended I knew what I was doing and assumed the position of leader. To be honest... I felt just as upset about missing the ferry as the girl who had been crying, but I wasn't going to show my cards. The others were relying on me. I am a strong believer in the saying, fake it till you make it. This is exactly what I was doing, and it held us together like glue. We are now on page 144. At this station in Athens, we got our tickets, jumped on the bus, and in no time at all, we were at at the port of Rafina. After a six hour wait, we were finally boarding the ferry. Only problem with this ferry was that it was doing the rounds via every island and Eos was the last stop. This would definitely add a new dimension to the saying, fashionably late. Fifteen hours after I expected to arrive, I was shown to a bungalow where I could put put my bags down and my feet up. After a quick chat with my new roommate Matt, I hit the hay. Just going out of the book quickly here. So that ferry took us about about eight hours, I think, because it went fire all of the other islands. And as I said, Eos was last. Uh, and then when I got to the island, uh, it, was, it was like one or two in the morning. And I didn't know... Where I was gonna, st- uh, sorry, I didn't know how to get to the get to the hostel, get to the place that I was staying. But the people that I was with, they were staying at the same place, and I think they knew how to get there. I can't really remember, but anyway, we made it, which was uh, which was great. Okay, back to the book. I went to sleep that night with another smile on my face because of the because of the person I was slowly becoming, the capable, independent guy. I had dreamt of being. As I closed my eyes, resting my head on a pillow of accomplishment, I felt oh so proud. I felt proud because this was the first time since my accident that I had been trusted by anyone to take the lead. It felt great to know that I could do it. I was in charge and in control. Just going out of the book quickly here to talk about the island of Eos in Greece. Now there were a number of places, and I might have said this before uh, in one of the previous episodes, and I'll probably say it again at one point, but there are a number of places that I traveled around the world. Uh, there were actually four four places that I can remember around the world where Australians absolutely flocked to. The first one was in uh, was in Japan the second one was in uh, in Canada the third one was in uh, in Lagos which I'll talk about uh, in um, one of the later chapters uh, and the, the the fourth one was EOS now this whole island was absolutely a block full of Australians like it was very very hard to to, um, to meet any any local people there because there were so many Australians there, uh, and which I mean I thought it was I still thought it was pretty cool um, that there was a whole bunch of people that I could communicate really well with, and which made my made my week really enjoyable. But the hostel that I stayed at was called Time Out, and it was on the other side of the island, and it was right on a beach, and this this uh this 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 hostel or this resort or this whatever it was it uh it had two pools and everyone all the aussies that were on the island every day they flocked there they absolutely they are uh, they they absolutely loved it and that was where i was staying and i guess i think that was by coincidence uh but yeah that was where i was staying and one of the days that i was there was the first of july the first of july is canada canada day and this was just an excuse to throw a party so there was a, a canada canada day uh juice that's a mouthful there was a canada day party and it was uh it was it was crazy down there and that day i walked around with my camera uh Around my neck, and everyone loves a photo of themselves. So there were so many people posing for photos and wanted wanted from uh, wanted photos taken of them, and that so that day was really good. Uh, but then one um, on most of the nights, I took my camera out with me. Uh, I took my camera out with me and went around to the bars and and just took photos of everyone. And when everyone's everyone's drunk, everyone wants a photo photo of themselves. So that became that was like a really good way to meet people and a really good way to kind of get in get in on the action and meet loads of people. Now I went. To, one of the bars is a so most of the bars are, are Aussies and they are packed jam-packed full of australian people uh, mainly on the on the tours uh, getting getting drunk and being being stupid as australians do uh, no offense to us australians um one so i can i can pay out a little bit on us uh, but one of the one of the bars that i went into uh was they were they were all greek people and so there, there, and there was absolutely no Aussies at all uh, that were in there. And I was in taking photos of people, and in there also people. I was being polite, and people were loving the photos that I was taking of them. And next thing I know, uh, I got, I got hit in this, I got hit in the back of the head. I got punched in the back of the head by, uh, by, uh, I guess a Greek. Guy that didn't want me in there uh, because I think on that island there was a big battle between the Australians that were all flocking there and the Greek Greek people that were the natives that obviously didn't like the fact that Australians were there. And anyway, so I got punched in the back of the head, which was really, I mean, a it um, I not I fell to the floor. Uh, B I didn't know. What on earth was going on? Uh, and uh, I know that the people that were that were accepting of me there, they kind of stuck up for me and and um, and said something to the guy or whatever. But anyway, I ended up getting kicked out. Uh, I guess because I was the Australian, uh, and then I was out the front of the I was out the front of the the bar. Picking myself up, trying to work out what had just happened, and another guy that uh, an Australian bloke that was staying, uh, that was working there for the season, working there for the summer. He walked past, and I, I'd I'd seen him down at the pool, and I'd had a good chat to him down at the pool, and he walked past, and he didn't exactly laugh at me for going into the bar, but he told me that it was basically a death wish to go into that bar. Uh, so that would have been really good to know uh, before it happened, uh, but anyway, it didn't. It didn't, and I learned a big lesson that day. Um, learned a very, very big lesson. Uh, yeah, I think that's uh, that, that's it for this story. All right, back to the book. Nicole, who I had met on a tour, was spending the summer working on EOS. and she told me uh, to come and check it out. So I was there to check it out and i ended up staying there too long just going out of the book quickly here and to tell you that nicole was on the uh, second tour that i I was on didn't really talk about that much in this book Uh, it was a book uh, it was a tour around scandinavia and it was quite a long tour, and there was a few people that I that I made friends with on that tour. And because of Facebook, we can all keep in contact, which is which was awesome. So Nicole, I had met on a, on a tour in Scandinavia. I then went and saw her in uh, in Greece, and then I come back uh, back to Australia. And years later, I go to a party with uh, one of my friends' uh, birthday parties. Uh, I was at a. A local bar and what do you know Nicole is there. So Nicole was as actually friends of Friends of mine uh, Back here in Melbourne, so all that to say that this world works in pretty mysterious Cool kind of ways Okay back to the book. I was sitting by the pool one day and Nicole and I started talking about visas and how long She was staying in Europe. She mentioned that as Australians we could only be there for 90 days, and that's it. What do you mean by 90 days? I asked. She said that I could only spend 90 days in Europe, then I had to leave. Many questions were asked, and many questions were answered, but I still didn't understand why this was so. We ended up talking about it so much that I became confused, and my head, my head packed up, so I took a break. About an hour later, I did a rough count of how long I had been in Europe and how long I was planning to stay there. Let's just say that in total, I would be over the limit by about four months. I had been there I had been there for two, and I still had about five uh, five months to travel of travel to go Nicole, Nicole told me that I would have to go to Germany and get a working holiday visa. Which, which are they issued on the spot? Her final words were, Don't stress, it's easy. We are now up to page 145. Go up to Germany and get a working holiday visa? How was I going to do this on my own? My anxiety went through the roof and flushed my emotional control system down the, t- down the drain. All the thoughts racing through my mind after this conversation were so overwhelming that I just had to call time out. I'd have to think about it later. From, the mo- from that moment on. I started talking to everyone. About this problem. Most people were only there for a couple of months. So they knew nothing about the time limit. I still had a month and a half to, to work it out. So the alarm bells weren't ringing too loudly just yet. On day 5 at EOS. The sun was out and the pool was the place to be. But what happened next was the stuff nightmares are made of. My action that day could have potentially ruined my trip there and then. I was at the pool ready to swim and I was thinking I would dive in. It was right at this point when I wished I was wearing those annoying board shorts without pockets. I walked over the edge as a run up could have ended badly on the slippery tiles. Taking a deep breath, I plunged headfirst into the pool with my one arm. As I took off and launched into the water with my one arm in front, I realised right then that I had made a mistake. My heart sank. Mid-flight, and I was already thinking about what a disaster this would be. I broke the water with my head and only my one arm to direct my flow. I came to the top screaming like I had just broken my neck again. I bobbed to the surface and swam to the side, nearly in tears for what I had just done. Out I got and I did the pat down I normally do before I walk out of the house to make sure I have all my possessions. The only difference is that this time I was hoping I had forgotten all my possessions. Aspen pump, not there, good. Wallet, not there, good. Phone, there, good. (gasps) Oh no, I just drowned my iPhone 5C. I pulled it out and witnessed the phone screen going haywire before it turned itself off. What a stupid mistake. This one device was holding my head together. Everything I needed was on it. My itinerary, my journal, my maps, my flight details, my emails. I had my contact numbers, my to-do lists, some must-see lists, and all the hostels and flight booking apps. We are now on page 146. You name it. Everything I needed for traveling was on that phone. My head was a mess. I couldn't think or act straight. When something goes wrong in my life my brain jumps off the tracks and I am completely oblivious to the world going by. I find it hard to function because routine is so important for me and as soon as my routine is broken it takes me some time to return to normal. My phone was my routine. I left the I left the phone to drive for, for the next two days, but it was no good. I had to buy a new one as soon as I could. Reading what I've written, I just sound like a spoiled little teenager who wants his iPhone. Now, Daddy! But this was not the case at all. I needed my iPhone to survive. I depended on it. After a couple of days, I gathered the pieces of my brain that had been scattered all around the pool and came up with a game plan. I would buy a new phone on Santorini. It was time to pack up my belongings and make make a move to, to my next checkpoint. I booked a hostel online and printed off a map, thinking that I must put it in a safe place. On arrival, I got straight off the ferry and into a taxi. So, where are we going? A voice mumbled from the front seat. Um, I mumbled back. I'd forgotten the name of the hostel, but luckily I had printed off the directions and packed them safely, didn't I? Hold on, I'll find them in here somewhere. Well, I never found that piece of paper. I have a sneaky suspicion that I left it on the table at the last cafe I went to in EOS. No worries, I logged onto my computer, which, believe it or not, only had... 3% battery left. It was time to put my thinking cap on. But having grown out of that in 2008, I found it difficult to think under pressure. It starts with K. K Kyla. Kika. Kik. Kik. Kikladonisia. Asked the driver. Nailed it. Yes, can you please take me to Kikladonisia please? Memory is is a, a very particular function. Why is it that I can remember my dog's name from 20 years ago but at that moment i could not remember a simple th- a, a simple thing like a name of a hostile i don't know but i have learnt that sometimes my brain only needs the smallest bit of help and, and i can remember things in some instances all it needs is a first letter and i can remember the whole word we're now on page 147 i learned how to count to 100 in french and i can still remember how but, I asked me the name of a hostel on Santorini, and I am lost for words. I walked into Kikladonisia, and there were two other guys there, Tom and Matt, my roommate from the bungalow in Eos. Before long, we got talking about the 90 day rule. As Matt explained it, the situation was that Australia and other countries had signed an agreement called the Schengen Agreement. It meant... That as an Australian traveling in in the European countries covered by the agreement, I was only allowed to stay in Europe for a maximum of 90 days in any 180-day period. After three months in, it was compulsory to spend three months out of the Schengen area. All the countries on my travel list had signed the Schengen agreement. Matt explained that he had strategically planned his trip so that he would be crossing in and out of of the area, so that he never went over time. He said that when the time was up, he'd just head down to Africa for a month or two, or over to Eastern Europe, and then cross back into Western Europe. Just gonna go out of the book quickly again here and talk about Eos. Uh, sorry, talk about Santorini because uh, there was not much more that was said about that. Uh, when when I was there, I. Uh, this is after tom and matt had left in came a a group of south african people so shout out to all the uh, south african people that are listening to this if there if there's any south african people listening to this uh, so there was a group of south african people and they we're at the hostel, and there was seven of them. There were seven that were all, all I guess, best friends, and they were all traveling. It was I thought it was pretty cool, and so I got along really well with them. And then one of the nights that we were there, we went on a uh, on because it, in Santorini, the uh, the sunset is 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 amazing, and if you go up to the lookout where everyone goes to look at the sunset, uh, you. It's very very hard to get a good view of it, so we we paid for which really wasn't that much between between um, the group of us, um, and there was also a, um, quite a few other people on the on the boat. We went on a cruise. Um, in between there was uh, there's another island which is right next to Santorini which has a volcano on it. So on this uh, on this tour we went on. I was on a cruise boat. And we we cruised over to the volcano. We walked up the volcano, and then we we, we watched the sunset from the middle of those two islands, uh, the, in the middle of the ocean. And it was it was really good. And I got some really cool photos uh, from uh, from 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 that that time that sunset, which uh, I will post up in the show notes. Okay, that's it. Back to the book. They were out of stock of iPhones on Santorini, but the salesman told me to go over to Crete uh, as the city of Heraklion had an Apple store. After a quick search on the internet for a hostel, I was ready to head on over. As As I had done the whole ferry thing a couple of times already, I felt confident. The way my brain was working at this point was like this. Tell a man how to do something once, and he'll forget. Tell a man how to do something twice, and he might forget. But tell a man how to do something three times, and he'll never forget. It all comes back to what I learned in rehab. Repetition, repetition, repetition. To keep my life on track when I am out of my comfort zone, I learned to ask myself questions to make sure I had all the right details. Often... I would catch myself asking the same question in many different ways in my mind, or even out loud. For example, I might ask myself, what time is the train leaving? And then, an hour later, I might ask, is the train leaving before or after lunch? We are now on page 148. Then, before I left for the station, to make sure everything was clear, I might ask myself again, what time is the train leaving? Followed by, what time is the train arriving? I did this because it was very hard for me to retain several details in my head at once. This is why repetition is so important for me. So that I burn the information into my brain with a metaphorical branding iron. Just going to go out of the book quickly here and talk about uh, Tom and Matt. Uh, So Tom... Uh, so Matt was an Australian guy, and Tom was a guy from the UK, and those two had met it, had met each other and decided to go travelling uh, to to around around Europe together. Uh, I think that was the very very beginning um, of their travels together. And fast forward a few years, and I was back in Australia, and Tom was then actually travelling. He had made his way to Australia, and he was doing the backpack thing. Uh, around australia and i ended up meeting up with tom and going up to he was living up in up in sydney i think and he caught a train down to a mountain here in victoria falls creek which was where everything all began and i met up with him um, I picked him up from the station, and we went. I can't remember what station it was, but it was a train station. Uh, on the way to a uh, between me and Falls Creek, so I picked him up, and then we spent the we spent a weekend uh, at the snow, which I thought uh, was pretty awesome. So these people, you know, this guy was from this guy was from the UK. I met him in Greece, and now I was in Australia snowboarding with him. Uh, it was just another one of those. Um, The world works in mysterious ways kind of thing. Okay, back to the book. I sailed into the city of Heraklion on the northwest coast and made my way to the hostel that I had booked, Manos Studios. I arrived in the late afternoon and all I wanted to do so badly was get a hold of an iPhone so that I could start building my life again. The shops were all just closing, So the plan was to buy one first thing in the morning. The morning came around and, to my dismay, the Apple store was closed on Sundays. I went back to the hostel to find something to do to kill the rest of the day. When I was lying on my bed, my roommate, another Australian fella, came in in and told me about a girl who was down in the lobby asking the receptionist about me she was doing some investigating because she thought I looked cute. When I was down in the lobby later that day, I saw the girl and as I was full of my new newly gained confidence, I went over to her. "Hi, I'm Scott," I said, using my left hand to lift my right so that I could shake her hand. I didn't do that maneuver often, but when I did, I would always get the same awkward reaction from the other person. Nevertheless, She shook my hand, probably thinking it was some cool Australian greeting style, and said, I'm Jasmine, in an accent that intrigued me. Where are you from? I asked. I'm French-Canadian, she replied with a cute little giggle at my strong Aussie accent. I I explained in the same thick Australian accent she could barely understand that I'd been to Canada. Maybe she thought it was a question because she just nodded and gave me a smile. We started chatting and from the get-go, we hit it off. We decided to explore the city together. And when, when we asked the receptionist where we should go first, she suggested the mini-golf course across the road. How good are you at mini-golf? I asked Jasmine. I'm okay, I do... We'll do it, let's go. I cut her off and made the decision for both of us. Jasmine agreed, not knowing that I was actually rude like that all the time. Luckily, I could also refrain from being pushy sometimes when I stopped to gauge whether or not it was appropriate. Heading across the road, it felt like the opening of a 1990s Hollywood love story where the couple are on their first date playing mini-golf. We had the clubs for about 40 minutes, And in that time, I spilt my guts about my accident. As I do, I told her about everything. With each and every word, I was edging closer and closer to her. And when it was nearly time's up, I leant in and indicated with my index finger for her to come closer so that I could kiss her. Now, this could have ended in a number of ways, including a slap, an awkward smile, a laugh, or a turn of the cheek for me to kiss. Luckily, it was none of the above, and she actually kissed me back. He shoots, he scores! The next few minutes were spent making out under a tree, in the shade, in paradise. If this to you sounds like a dream, well, you should have been there, because it was kind of perfect. I'm just gonna go quickly out of the book here and talk about that mini golf because it was the worst mini golf game I'd ever played. And so what it was, they it was it was it was a field just with a whole bunch of holes on it, but the the holes were basically just like a few meters of straight concrete. So when you hit the ball, it was just uh, it was like dunk. And the ball would come straight back past you and go onto the grass. Now that happened every time. And so it was just crap. So we stopped playing mini golf after about two holes. And then when sax was really hot and we had the clubs for like 40 minutes or an hour or something. And we went and sat down underneath the tree and just had a chat there and kind of connected and, and, and bonded there. And that was where it all started, or what started, you ask? Uh, you will find out about that next week in the chapter of Jasmine. Uh, you're not going to find it for, You're not going to hear hear the hear the, uh, the full story because that will come after the book is finished. But that is the beginning of a really enjoyable part of my life. And that is the end of chapter Number Nineteen. We are now up to the next chapter, which is called Jasmine. Now I'll read the first uh, the first paragraph of this next chapter before I hit the road. Here we go. Uh, Jasmine let me do all the talking through our initial conversation as I had a lot to say, and rudely, I didn't let her get a word in if i had if I had let her speak. I would have realized that what had happened that day under the tree was nothing short of fate. Well, 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 I can really feel my reading is getting better. Okay, that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed my trip in Greece. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed my podcast about it anyway. Uh, keep, keep those messages rolling in. I received, uh, received a few this week. One being from Mark, another being from Anita, and one being from Tom. Uh, They're all listening to this podcast in uh, in their VCO Literacy class. So shout out to all you folk uh, that are listening now. Uh, Teacher also messaged me. Uh, Anthony, he dropped me one. Saying that, uh, just saying thanks, uh, thanks for the podcast. He's making his senior literacy class run like clockwork. Well, Anthony, it is my pleasure, my friend. It's my pleasure. Well, that's it. For, uh, that's it from me this week. Uh, be kind to everyone. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself is one of the most important things to do. So, be kind to uh to to everyone be kind of yourself uh pay it forward uh jump on the karma train that karma train that uh that comes along and does things for other people i don't know jump on the train and come for the ride all right okay yeah okay yep that's it i'm out see ya Thanks for tuning in to the Crashing In Potential Podcast. I really appreciate your support. You guys are the reason that I do this. So if you haven't already, hit me up at The Injured Brain. Wherever you get your social media fix. And don't forget to rate, review and share this podcast far and wide so that you can help me spread my message. See you in the next episode.